Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. Guy here. You're listening to an audio broadcast of Market Call. That's MRKT Call. It's a daily video series I do with Dan Nathan every Monday through Thursday live at 1 p.m. Eastern. We break down the big market-moving headlines and offer trade ideas. Each week, we're joined by our friends Carter Worth of Worth Charting and Liz Young, that's EY of SoFi, for their investment analysis. So check it out. And if you like it, follow at Market Call on on Twitter and subscribe to Risk Reversal Media's YouTube page so you never miss an episode. One o'clock on the East Coast, Swizz, Dan Nathan, just the two of us as the song goes. Hope everybody's well. It would appear as though the markets are um, once again in rally mode. But, you know, let's take a look at the rundown because, as, as they used to say in Lost in Space, danger, Will Robinson. Well, those dangers are everywhere. Big tech trade. I mean, tech's off to the races. Why? Because the market's open. And crude getting whacked. I think the lowest levels we've seen in TI since July. And Ranger Hockey tonight. How are you, Dan? Ray, I'm going to be at the most what, – what do you call it, the most – Famous that arena. would be the world's most famous arena, Madison Square yeah. Garden. Long hair at the Madison Square, as Paul McCartney said in uh, Venus and Mars into Rock Show, which then went right into Jets. Back to you. Jets. Do, 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 do. Right? How's that? That's, well, that's... from Wings. Um, okay. Let's talk about the NASDAQ. Let's talk about tech stocks. They actually, Guy, they kind of have a reason to be higher today. And I'm just going to mm. tell you that. Okay. Let me hear so, it. Thought on your rundown. I know that you spend a lot of time prioritizing the bullets on the rundown. But if you think about Global Foundries had some decent things to say about the semiconductor business. And again, this is a thread guy that's gone on, I think, for the last month going back to Taiwan Semiconductor. Okay. Talking about stabilization in smartphones and PCs and the like. Okay. Then we also had, you know, Datadog, which is, um, you know, enterprise software company that uh, definitely has exposure to the growth in cloud and, and AI and, 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 the, and the stuff there. You know, that's a company that I think is interesting. $33 billion market cap company. It's up 30% on the day. Okay. 80% gross margins, growing sales at 23%, expected to go to, to, to gap profitability next year. And again, I, if they can pull up the chart of DDOG, and I think this is really interesting, not much, Guy, of everything that I just said to you has changed in three months. But go back and look at the gap on their last quarterly report, right? In the last guidance they get, the stock gapped down 20%. So mm -hmm. here it is gapping up 30%. So when the stock was higher and it gapped down 20%, that was a greater market cap decline than the market cap gain of 30% today, right? And so to me, what's crazy, Guy, is not as much the data and their lack of visibility three months ago and their clarity right now, 
It's more about what investors are willing to do at the moment. Does that make some sense to you, Guy Adami? Makes a lot of sense. The stock, it was the end of July. It was $118 stock, I believe, a new 52-week high. The all-time high, not that it matters, but for a lot of these tech stocks, was in November of 2021. I think it approached 200. But to your point, you know, it went from basically 118 down to 85 in over the course of four or five trading days into early August. So we're here we are now we're sort of right back in the middle of that, I guess, you know, that move from 118 yep. down to 85 or so. And it's doing it on on pretty healthy volume. And but your point, it's not about trading the stock necessarily. It's about, you know, what changed from then till now and sort of the exuberance around investors and people getting themselves off sides. Danny Moses talks about this all the time. I mean, if you think about it, the stock's $105, which is effectively the same price that it was, let's call it, you know, mid, excuse me, early August. You could have lost $100 in a $100 stock, which sounds ridiculous, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, and it's also interesting. So like Snowflake guy is up in sympathy with this stock. It's about 10%. And, and if you just want to do some math here, so, so uh, you know, Datadog's a $2 billion revenue company that, you know, Snowflake expected to be like 2.75. So it's, it's growing faster, 33%. Gross margin, you know, less actually at 72% or something like that. This thing's kind of been stuck in the mud um, since its IPO for the last couple of years. It was one of those ones that just went absolutely ballistic if you want to pull it out five years. Um, but, you know, this company uh, on a gap basis has been losing a lot of money. Okay, so again, I just said they're expected to do 2.75, uh, you know, billion in revenue. Um, they're supposed to lose like a billion dollars in gap mm -hmm. at income on that, right? So th this is one of those things that's kind of like left in the money. And I do think it's important to kind of back, like, look at that right there. You'd say that's a nice looking base after you know you had that massive double top. It was trading at like 40 times sales or so, maybe higher back then, wasn't it? Like, didn't it have a hundred? I think it was. I account? think it was close to um, 60 times, or you know, a little less. But I remember us talking about. It. I remember you yeah. bringing it up on Fast Money, talking about the absurdity of the valuation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was 2021, you know, and, and I will say, so like bringing it all back. So to, 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 you know, tech stocks rallying, it really feels like a bit of a chase. Our good friend, Doug Cass over there at real money uh, and, and the, the managing partner of Seabreeze capital, he just pinged us before and he's identifying things that you and I are, are very clear on our main fact set screen. He's talking about some of the money center banks trading at their lows. He's talking about the Russell 2000 giving up mm -hmm. the, we're going to spend some time on crude oil, but we're also going to spend some time on the materials. They act really bad. So what I'm looking at my fact set screen and I'm looking what's screaming green, it's all this tech stuff that yeah. people love to chase, right? Like, like that's what's going on right now. So again, you know, I, I don't know, man, like, like, are there a couple headlines that you could say, oh, I want to buy enterprise software today. I want to buy semiconductors today. I want to buy travel related, you know, tech stocks today. Yeah, there's decent headlines. Do they deserve to be up like this? I don't know. In the absence of sell, you know, it's amazing. And it's an environment where the machines take over, you know, in the okay. absence of selling, buyers have to, you know, they have to find a level where they can basically that buying appetite is, is I guess, vanquished or served. And that's what we're doing in a lot of these names. Now, the names you mentioned, they're all going to trade upwards of four or five times normal volume on some of these moves. I, I don't, Again, I'm I'm past the point of trying to understand if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, I would yeah. say to your point, that's part of the chase and it will exhaust itself, but it's very hard to come to grips with some of the moves that we're seeing to the upside. But 
to your point about Datadog, for example, I mean, we saw the same move, you know, three months or so ago to the downside. Yeah. So these things are sort of sorting themselves out. No doubt. Um, you know, yesterday um, we did market call in on Sirius XM yeah, radio. Did. And just as a little preview, people, we are going to be back to doing, I think it's in December, the first week of December, whatever, the first Monday in December, we're going to be back to doing our market call right here on the Risk Reversal media youtube channel that is going to be at one o'clock so um we're going to do that um going forward but we had a little bit of a break in um i was going to put a trade on the qqq i was using options so that would be the nasdaq 100 um we'll link to that in the show notes or maybe one of the guys could put it in there yesterday it was when the qqq was trading 369 it was an options trade it was a put spread i was looking at december expiration the um the the strikes were 365 340 so long the 365 um and i sold the 340s and guy that 25 dollar wide which was four dollars out of the money only cost four dollars like think about mm -hmm. that one and a quarter percent for more than one month exposure to the downside like i just like the risk reward of that especially after the rally we have but here's today it's tuesday who is our fine sponsor on Tuesdays, which would be CME group, CME group, where risk meets opportunity. And just so you know, the risk that I was willing to take in the CME challenge guy. OK, so that was the futures challenge that we all participated in. And a lot of you guys participated in it. We really, really appreciate that. We sent out a lot of market call hats for people who participated in that. OK, I got a certificate and I hope if you guys ended up like I did in the top. 20, look at that, babe. Look at that bad boy. Should we put well, that up in the well, wall there? I know you're excited. Twenty five percent of participants. Before you get too excited, I just yeah. texted you and the team that I actually got a certificate as well, and I congratulated Amanda. So, you know, you were fair good about yourself, but you know, it's, right. it's a little well, bit, you know. Well. But we we had an active discussion in the chat about it because that we Danny and I were trading them up. You and Amanda were trading a little bit here, but um, no, that was fun. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at the Nasdaq futures, okay? And so you could look at the minis, you could look at the regular contracts, and you know the way I'm thinking about the futures here, guy, and these sorts of levels here, we're getting back towards that prior high, mm -hmm. right, from early October. Early October, yep. And if I want to take a shot on, on selling this move. Move. And this is, you know, now what a 9% move or something like that, maybe a little more or so it got very near that rising 200 day moving average, it got below that double bottom that looked like support right from, you know, August and, and September and the like here. So I want to take another crack, I want to use futures. And one of the reasons I want to use futures here is that what did your football coach used to say to you guy, he expected you guys to be early because what because well, if you're earlier on time, if you're on yeah. time, you're late. And if you're late, yeah. just don't effing right. bother i you know i'll spare you the vernacular but i think right. you can understand but, but, yeah. but so here's the thing about um you know you, there's another expression in trading about being early if you're early you're wrong oftentimes mm -hmm. right and so so i was one day it was one percent i still like my put spread one of the reasons why i like the idea of put spreads is that you know you can sell it downside it offsets a little decay it offsets a one percent move a little bit here you know what i mean but you're still in the game what i love about futures and what we got a lot of great opportunity to do in that equity futures challenge that we participated in a couple of weeks ago the aforementioned is that you can set really tight stops if you want right you can take lots of little cracks at a move that you're looking to kind of get into and then you can kind of try to lay into something and lower those stops right you know if you and, and play the momentum so right here what i want to do is i want to look at the october 12th high guy that was about fifteen thousand four seventy. Mm -hmm. okay and i want to sell the futures here let's call it fifteen thousand 378 or so this is in the nasdaq uh 100 futures here and i'm looking for a target move 
back towards 14,620 or so. So those are the levels here. Selling at 15,378, putting a stop at 15,470. Okay, that's the October 12th high. And my target is now back towards what was prior support that we blew through a couple weeks ago. You know what I mean? And then if I start getting this going in the right direction, I'll start moving down that mm -hmm. stop accordingly. And listen, you know, we've traded the NASDAQ futures on market call um, to the short side. Um, I think about a month ago and we had a good trade and we got that move to the downside and we're using a trailing stop because we're protecting some of the gains when we going it, get, get it going in our right direction. Five to one in your favor, if you're right, in terms of what the risk reward is. I mean, in terms of percentages, you know, you prop, you know, if you think about it, five to one in your favor, if you're right, you probably, it's probably like a 70, 30, 65, 35 against. But with that said, I think that's the kind of math that makes sense. And, you know, the market does feel like, you know, there's an exuberance today that you identified, but, you know, it could easily exhaust itself. So, your point, though, the number of points are good, but the one point specifically, the power of futures is it gives you opportunities to sort of chip away, chip away, chip away, and then you catch it, and then you let it sort of work for you. And that's – it's frustrating, but it's also rewarding when you finally catch one cold. And, you know, that's why you keep, you, you keep swinging the bat, right? You might go 0 for 13, but then your next three, four at-bats – you might actually do well. And that's what futures trading is, really, if you think yeah. about it. Well, and I want to make one other point. So you could say, well, 15,378 and, you know, you know 15,470, like, you know, that that that's some wood to chop if you get that wrong. Yeah. You know, I, I would encourage people to use really tight stops, especially, you know what I mean, when you're kind of probing a level, you're trying to probe a market, you're trying to be counter trend or, or, or a bit contrarian use really tight stops, right? And and see how things act at different technical levels. See what sort of stocks in the market are confirming your view or not. You know what I mean? So like right now, you know, if, if you don't have some of these enterprise software companies give up some of these moves, if you don't have some of these travel related names, if, if semiconductors, if, if you start to see NVIDIA join the party, which it hasn't, it's underperforming, you know what I mean? But Global Foundries was up 8%. Now it's up 6%. Maybe it gives a bunch of that back. Taiwan Semi's down on the day. That's how I think about when I'm trading futures, right? Like I'm thinking about what are the components in the equity market, what are they doing? You know what I mean? And then, you know, using tight stops and continue to probe and it's price discovery and the like here. So, all right, that's the NASDAQ future trade of the day, Guy. We'll be sure to update that. All right, let's talk yields um, because, you know, you know, you often say, you know, I don't want to be dogmatic here. Don't you say that every mm -hmm. once in a while? Often. And you have been in the camp of higher rates for all year. And even when people were saying, you know, they're going to top out at three and a half, they're going to top out at four, they're going to top out at five, you know, you've been actually moving your stops higher. Okay. Mm -hmm. But a couple weeks ago, okay. A couple weeks ago, you said, I think, and this, I think it was a conversation with Carter Braxton worth of worth charting. He was playing for lower yields on the charts and the 10 year. And you said, I see that I can see a retracement back to maybe I, I, you might've said four sex four seven or something like that. Carter was playing for that uptrend at four and a half or something like that. All right. Did we do what we needed to do? You know, especially with the fed and the issuance and all this sort of stuff. Talk to us about yields. What is Nostradami? I know you hate that, but what is I do, but that's okay. In here? No, so I, I appreciate you bringing that up. We talked about, you know, we had that conversation. Carter brought with him that channel that he's been looking at for quite some time. The fact that, you know, yields were still in an up channel and you could sort of see it here. 
but we had taught we had ticked top tick the upper echelon of that channel and it was logical to think it could come off and i thought that maybe we could see 88 and a half or so in the tlt and i think the tlt actually traded to 89 10 so that coincided you know four five five four six ish but i didn't think it would happen over the course of three or four trading days so i want to be crystal clear i'm like i didn't see it yeah. that quickly but i mean you know the markets have a way of surprising but with that said, the magnitude and the speed of that move actually makes me more sort of resolved in terms of my view of higher rates. You know, you had that huge move. You flushed a lot of shorts out. I probably didn't fully comprehend how short the market was of the bonds, other betting that yields would continue to go higher. You flushed a lot of those folks out. The fundamentals for the higher yields haven't changed. Yes, you could say the economy, some of the data we're getting is softer, and that obviously leads to lower yields. But the presiding factor, I continue to think, is what you just said about issuance and the market demanding more to buy our debt. And I don't think that's going away at all. If anything, I think it'll probably start to you know, grow in scope. So I think that 89.10 or so level in the, in the TLT probably was it. If you look at this trend line, I think it's intact. You saw a 10, 11 basis points move to the upside Yesterday, today, we're sort of giving a little bit back, but I think yields higher here, Dan. Yeah, I, I you know what? <clears throat> I am less convinced. I, again, to me, it, it really does come back to the data guy. I mean, let, let's just pull up really quickly the CME Fed, uh, Fed funds tracker here a little bit. We know the last meeting of the year is going to be December 13th. I think there's less than a 10% probability of that 25 basis mm -hmm. point hike. That was something that just a couple months ago seemed like a near certainty. It was either November or December, right? We were going to get to 575 on the upper end of the bound. And that seems like it's out of the question. And obviously the Fed had a lot to do with that last week um, at their meeting. But look at, look at, you know, crude oil. And this is Just one that, I, that think, yep. yeah, I, I think this is one that's really, this is what makes it to me guy a lot more confusing. Okay. And, and so, um, you know, you look at this move, we are down 18%. Okay. From that late September high. And I say to myself, you know, if you're just one of these folks who's a bit of a normie, and, and most of us are normies as it comes to markets and it comes to wonky economic data and it comes to like geopolitical stuff and how it all intertwines and monetary policies and yield curve controls and all this sort of stuff, right? Most of us, and I throw my, my hat in there. I think I'm good with stocks and options. This other stuff sometimes is a bit confounding, right, guy? When I see crude, this is actually saying something to me, though, about, you know, where yields are going, where the dollar is mm -hmm. going, where people like are thinking about risk at the moment. So, like, help, help help me with this, because you traded crude for a long time and you look at all these macro inputs a little bit. And so I think this is surprising to you also. Right. And so from a technical standpoint, if we cut through that 200 day, man, like that's that's like that's a big one we didn't put any other lines on that chart because we thought that was enough that two you don't have to yeah there's no reason to have lines i mean we traded down to the app moving average which you know i mean if you look it was resistance back in april when we traded higher that resistance held up and obviously crude cascaded down into may then we broke through it in july and that proved to be sort of a level we did a back and fill in late august but then we we're off to the races Obviously, the events of early October in the Middle East took us to that 95 level. And ever since then, we're giving the entire thing back. And when you said this must be confounding to you as well, 100%. So the question is now, I mean, each day is a new day. At this level, what do you do? And, well, 
I go back to April and say, okay, when we were trading to the upside, that moving average proved to be resistance. It should be support now, and we'll see if that plays itself out. Now, you know, you get a close sort of below 76 and a half, 77, and then we're going to start talking about the potential for crude to sort of trade down to the levels we saw in June and July, sort of the high 60s. I'm hard-pressed to believe that's the case, but then you ask yourself, if that, in fact, is the case, what's going on in terms of the global economy, specifically what's going on here? And I think that makes your other point, that things are obviously slowing down, which then means yield should go lower. And so when you start to sort of wrap your head around this, it is extraordinarily confusing. Well, listen, you know, and I'll just say this. This is one of the reasons why, I mean, like you and I, we show up every day. We're trying to talk it out. And, you know, I use that term, you know, dogmatic. I mean, we really try. I know a lot of folks on, on the equity side just think, ah, you're always bearish or this, that. Like, at least to me, I hear that mm -hmm. um, a lot. I mean, like, listen, if you want always bullish, just turn on anything else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like open up whatever, you know, market, you know, uh, newsletter that you subscribe to or, or this, that, or that. So going back to your point though guy about if crude were to break here and were to get you know to the low 70s or something like that possibly back towards those lows from the summer i think it's that headline that's floating right there on, on our chart here it's it's about you know we spent the better part of the summer talking about how horrible the data in china was you know what i mean and the data in europe is not actually getting better right and so when you think about you know like crude oil you would think it'd be rising yeah 100 into the winter into a, a, a you know a, we're going on two years right of a shooting war um in europe you know which is really it's actually know, i think it's over it's approaching three years if i'm not mistaken. no it started well, no it started early 22 right like so was that be, right i mean yeah, for so, some so, reason so i, I want to but whatever you're right no, Jan, yeah Jan feb you know will be basically the two-year anniversary you know and so you know, I don't know, man, like I would have thought that should be higher, you know, um, you know, not gas, you know, like the same thing. I know it's come off off the lows. So, you know, let's see here. L listen, and I don't think you or I are wishing for any of that. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, would we love to see a peaceful resolution in Europe, in, in Ukraine? Would we love to see a peaceful resolution with a path towards some sanity? You know what I mean? In the middle, of course. And, and if that means crude oil has to go to 50 amazing because that would be great for us consumers also right you know so i don't know it's it's, it's just i think it's a really confusing uh, macro time right now no 100 all the things you said are spot on you know there's so many again i hate the term but i'll use a cross currents out there that you can understand certain things but once you sort of wrap your head around why you think yields are going higher then you see the economy slowing down and then the speed with which yields went lower makes you say, holy shit, I must be wrong. I'm missing something. The moves are just the magnitude of the moves really, I think, are what is so confusing for me. And I think it's got a lot of people sort of off sides and myself included. And I think, you know, you just think we make, you know, we think I know personally, I know you do as well. You know, you think about this stuff all the time and you're always trying to punch holes in your thesis. And then the market has a way of sort of, galvanizing your thoughts sometimes yeah. in other ways just making you look really foolish yeah and here was one i i just I, I know doug in one of his notes doug cass um i think it was in real money last night he mentioned the point that um crude oil was not down a lot yesterday down less than one percent but the energy equity equ yeah. you know uh, ET, etfs or the equities themselves Rotate. yesterday was a rotation you know i mean yeah. that's what it felt like in, in yeah. that rotation and i'm not trying to come but you know it appears as though, you know, we're seeing it again, that rotation back into these high growth, high valuation tech names. 
just people throwing caution to the wind on the back of some of the things you mentioned at the top of the show, but on the back of a lot of different factors. Yeah. And it's just, it's fascinating to see stuff. how these things move. No, I don't need, listen, I want to be clear. Yeah. I agree with you, but that's, I think a lot of what's going on here. Yeah. So, well, before we, we hit the dollar and gold, um, I want to hit, you know, like, so, so we just focused on energy and you see what's going on right, right there with, you know, energy stocks and, and there's a lot the OIH, the oil services slob, which is one of the biggest components, you know, it's down four slumberjade down four and a half percent. Okay. Like that's a big move. There's room to the downside. There, oh, yeah. okay? and, they, and these companies have valuation support, right? Let's throw up the XLE again. We know that Chevron and Exxon make up what 40% of that. The, the companies, the two of them have announced what $110 billion of combined acquisitions to companies over the last month or so. And if you look at the XLE, um, you know, you say to yourself, that's also kind of at a level here, right? So, you know, the jury's still out on that. I want to broaden it out though. If I'm looking at Peabody, it's down 4%. FCX, right? Down mm-hmm. 5%, uh, 4.5%. Alcoa down 2%. U.S. Steel down 1.5%. Like Cliffs down 2 So what's going on in some of these materials, okay? Away from energy here, guys. Yeah, so, you know, the, again, I think it's a global slowdown. People look at, obviously, you mentioned China, but they look at these things and say, <laughs> excuse me, the slowdown is more powerful than valuations. And quite frankly, for a lot of these stocks, I mean, the best time to buy a lot of these names are when they're more expensive, not less expensive, but that's neither here nor there. I think it just comes down to, you know, people are concerned that all these manufacturing data, everything we're hearing from a Maersk, for example, and what we heard from a cat, and you can start to draw different conclusions on the back of all these different inputs. There's no reason to be long these resource names. And if we can quickly go back to XLE, a longer term chart, because, you know, I'm here to tell you in September, I thought for sure we were going to go blasting through those prior highs. And you can see it right there. You know, we traded up to basically, I want to say, mid to high 90s in April, traded down, traded back up. I'm like, there's no way this third time up, we're not going to go blasting through it. And sure enough, we stopped dead yet again. Now, I guess, Dan, the good news is if you look at this, you're still in this up channel from like October of 2020-ish. But man, oh man, you start getting through 80 bucks and then you say to yourself, holy shit, that moving average way down in the low 60s is in play. I, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's how you read this. Yeah. So I think your point uh, on this chart, if you were just basically to draw a line from it's probably late, you know, um, 2020. I mean, mm-hmm. just, so you know, we're below we're below. If you can visualize that line, we're like today's like we're, we are dancing on mm-hmm. that uptrend line. So just from a technical perspective, you know, uh, you get through here and it, it's that cluster of lows that are somewhere in the mid seventies in the XLE. And, you know, you and I talked about this last week when we were talking about, you know, um, Exxon's bid for Pioneer and Chevron's for Hess, right? These were again, what, like 60 and $50 billion respectively, right? We're saying that these are going to be mired in regulatory stuff for a while, right? Like so th- those are the sorts of announcements that could keep massive equities like that no, just going sideways to lower for a long period. You know, of time. I agree with you 100% and you brought that point up. My point was that the fact that they had the, I don't want to say visibility necessarily, but the confidence to be able to make, to think about deals like that, regardless of whether or not they were going to happen or not, gave me sort of the confidence to think, okay, there is, there is vigor in this space. There's M&A that wants to take place. Um, I can wrap my head around a lot of these names on valuation. That's sort of a final piece to the puzzle 
that's why I sort of, but your point again is well taken. Well, I mean, so. listen, to, to, to be fair, I, I made that point last week or what I, I didn't make it, you know, prior, you know what I mean? Like to when, when it looked like the XLE was ready to party, you know, you know what I'm saying? So for whatever, they're seeing something. Um, I want to, hit one thing related to rates here guys so let's look at the home builders we talked about them in, on fast mm -hmm. last night on cnbc look at toll brothers and you know <clears throat> this stock was down i think it made a new 52 week high in early september it was up there at near 85 bucks and it was trading below 70 for like a week um late last month yeah okay? and so you have yields go from five percent to four six you have mortgage rates that were well above 8% 30 year, right? Like that were, um, you know, down um, a, a bit, you know, maybe they're like on either side of 8% or something like that. But to see this sort of move, you know, this is what, 15% or something like that. Uh, this um, is from, this is from that low we made. I think it was October 25th or 26th ish of 68 bucks. And now yeah. here we are North of 80. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. So, so my question to you is that we just saw um, a 3.9% unemployment rate, right? Mm -hmm. We saw the lowest uh, non-farm payroll number in a very long time, okay? Eight months of revisions lower, yes. Months, yep. So, and again, you and I are not hoping to see, you know, like that number explode to the upside on the unemployment rate or anything like that, okay? But if it is to go above four percent, and we have David, we had David Rosenberg, Rosenberg Research on uh, the on the tape podcast with Danny Moses, myself, and you on Friday. Check it out in your favorite podcast store. People, it was a great conversation with Rosie. But you know, I, I, he seemed matter of fact. Okay, that unemployment's going, you know, four and a quarter, mm -hmm. maybe four and a half. What the hell do you think is going to happen to this housing market? Which, like, literally, like values are locked because what two thirds of of homeowners in America have you know like mortgage rates you know below four percent or something mm -hmm. like that. No one's trading out of those unless they have to. Sadly, okay, you know what I mean. And once they do, it's going to put a lot of downward pressure on pricing, right? A and then B. What does it mean for like new, you know, permits and like, like it's not happening, man. Like, like not at this stage of the game. So the Toll Brothers chart, if we could pull that up again, I mean, it is really interesting. And you know, we, if you remember, I mean, we were quite bullish of home builders for a lot, all through 2023. And one of the things that we've been saying is there will come a point in yields, and I didn't know what that point was, by the way. I want to be crystal clear, but you know, ten-year yields would get to a level on the upside where. Home builders would not like it anymore. This sort of point of diminishing marginal returns, and I think it wound up being around four and a half percent ish or so, is when things sort of stopped. And then as it approached five, that's obviously when things really went pear shaped. You can see it in the chart. I mean, you could if you overlay a yield chart, it looks hauntingly similar here. So this move back up is all predicated on what we've seen the last week in terms of ten-year yields. Question you have to ask yourself is. Yields are still elevated. Are we going to exhaust ourselves at the what was, I believe, an all time high in Toll Brothers in September, if I'm not mistaken, of about 80? I want to say it was 84 and a half. And that's the rub here, right? Because yeah. yields are still elevated. Um, I think, listen, I think the tailwinds have abated for sure. You're going to get, you're going to get these sort of moves out of nowhere on the back of lower yields from time to time. But, but I think you got to be. You got to travel lightly here if you want to stay long these names, I think. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I want to hit um, 
transports for a second, the IYT. Okay, so this is one where, you know, it had this breakout. I think people were feeling pretty good in May, June, July about just kind of global reflate. I don't even know why, because I, I, I didn't really see what people were looking at. And, and just look at how it not only gave it all back, but then made a new 52 week low. Okay. So we've had this kind of this bounce back here, guy. We're not at that 200 day yet. Um, and I would say that if you were to draw a, a downtrend from those kind of early August 52 week highs, you know, we're basically right there. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you'd say to yourself, okay, well, maybe we get through and maybe we make a move back towards, you know, I don't know, what, what's the number, 235 or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, okay, fine. That's still like, like considerable technical resistance. This is a group of stocks that trade cheap. They trade cheap to the market, right? They're more of a like kind of cyclical sort of indicator here. What does this say to you? And, and we're not going to do industrials today. We're going to do industrials tomorrow with Carter um, when he's on the market call. He had a great note out on worth charting today. What does this sector say to you um, a little bit about all these things we talked about? Like, you know, like shouldn't lower crude be good for uh, transports guy? Well, I mean, as, a, as an input, yes. But as an economic indicator, no. So do those two things offset each other, right? Because if you think yeah. about what transports do, I mean, the better the economy is, the more things are moving around. But that input, to your point, is lower. So in terms of margins, it's a good thing. But in terms of what it says about the economy, it's not a good thing. And I think that's what the market's struggling with. And you know, Union Pacific is a big component of that. And if you pull up a UNP chart, you'll see we had this line job to the upside in July. I think, we, I think again, stock made an all-time high, 240-ish or so. Gave a lot of it back. The level that we held a, about a week or so ago, this 200 level was the same level we traded down in early October. So we found support. We're bouncing. Again, like many things, the question is, is this just an oversold? Is this a bounce from an oversold condition or is this something more? I don't think it's something more. I think it's a bounce from an oversold condition. Um, all right. Before we get, we got two other things we got to hit. We got to hit gold. Uh, I want to hit the dollar. But before we do that, um, you know, I got home from dinner last night and I just wanted to watch like a little good football. You know, I just wanted to see like a deep, like just a little bit. I didn't catch anything on Sunday. It was a beautiful day in New York. You know, it was the marathon. I was out and about. It was like 60. It was like a beautiful day. I just wanted to see a little good football. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I turn it on. And there was no good football to be found, guy. If well, are, there was good football on the, on the, on the, and the Jet defense played good ball, good yeah. football. I think the Chargers special teams clearly played well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jets, the Jets have a high school quarterback yeah. playing behind center. And what does it mean by that? Every once in a while, he's going to do something. You're like, holy shit, yeah. look at the talent on this kid. But the rest of the time, he looks lost. And so you can understand why people were infatuated with him in the draft because you saw the potential. And in terms of arm strength, he's probably got one of the best arms in the National Football League. He does not process the game, and, and that's a big part of the problem. Yeah. On top of which, they have an offensive line that is just decimated and is not particularly good. So they built a incredible defense. I mean, that's as stout a defense as I've seen. They held the, the Chargers to less than 200 yards total offense. But if you can't score, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's great. Did you see Aaron Rodgers on the sideline? You know, um, yeah, I know. He's, I know. I'm, I'll be back. Give me a couple. No, of no, weeks. but his whole his whole demeanor just it just it was funny. The the bubbles that he was popping, like he was chewing gum, and they kept on getting bigger throughout. Like every every turnover they had, that sort of thing. So it's just it's sad. New York football is in a in a sorry state. 
but back to your point, you know what's you know what's hot right now? Your Rangers, okay? And the Knicks had a nice uh, home win versus uh, Harden. You like seeing Harden come in there in his, like, fifth jersey in five years and get smoked by the Knicks. You like that. I know you did. He, he made a comment about um, he was with the Sixers, and, you know, he couldn't play in that system, and I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. He said, I, I, am a, I am my own system or something like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they you know what? Ready. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. thank you. Good luck. Hey, you I mean, know, you listen. Know. If I'm playing a game of horse, fucking a man, I'll take them. But if I'm looking to win an NBA championship, no, no, thank you. You're out. All right. Um. All right. Lastly, let, let's look at just real quickly. Um. U.S. dollar came in with yields. Um. And, mm-hmm. and we have a chart really quickly at the Dixie. Um. You know, it, it feels like it, it. It didn't come in that much, guy. You know what I mean? Like that consolidation sideways feels like <laughs> consolidation a little bit lower. Um. That sort of thing. But you know contained the sell-off there and and it had that very steep uptrend that it broke so let's see about that but let's go over to gold for a second because today's move you know in gold you know for gold that that's kind of a a real move right it kind of got to that resistance level from the summer it was really steep you know uptrend you you had nice call there um i i i know that you know, you think there's a run back up to where does the thing is it the, the moving average if it finds a little support there? Yeah, um, that's your support, 1950 or something ish. I mean, that's really you know we're we're pretty close to it. I mean, it, this is as frustrating as everything else that I've been looking at because just when you think you got it, it obviously does something that just leaves you extraordinarily frustrated. And the fundamentals, again, fundamentals, nothing's changed. The only thing that's changed is price. And at a certain point. Price is going to dictate what the rest of the market does. I mean, what it appears as though is happening is, you know, the long dollar trade, people got flushed out. I don't think the market's long of gold, but it's just sort of meandering here, you know? And I just think the tourists that are in it are just sort of throwing throwing their hands up and saying, why am I bothering? I, I do think it's going to have its day, but I've been saying that for a while and I've looked really smart on some days, I've looked really dumb on others, and this is one of those dumb days without Well, I, I, listen, I, w- one thing I'll just say really clearly is that, I mean, you are in the camp that people should have exposure to it, low single digits of their portfolio. And so, you know, to come on and, and, and have to make a call on it on a day-to-day basis, you know, like, look at it. It's trading right where it was, you know, three months ago. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, there's been a lot of volati- volatility. There's been a lot of volatility in a lot of different macro assets, too. So, you know, again... Um, it's it's tough to kind of uh, you know on a day to day basis call this sort of stuff. All right, guy, I think we covered a lot of ground today. Did a lot get, of ground, and you are going. Now? You're going to a Ranger game tonight. The original six matchup. You're psyched. The Red Wings of Detroit. Good young team. There's a lot of firepower. Watch Dylan Larkin, uh, Dan. I'm sure you'll be keying on him. Uh, and the Rangers move Capo Caco off the first line about time because I got to tell you something. He needs a fire lit under his ass. Clearly. And I know you felt the same way. And by the way, Shesterkin's not in Nets tonight. He's dinged up. I'm a little concerned now. They say day-to-day we will see. So you get to see Jonathan Quick in Nets. By the way, a future Hall of Famer in Jonathan Quick. Hey, do we know anybody at the WFAN? I mean, like, I feel like you should have your own program. I, I feel like there's there's not too many folks out there in the tri-state area that have the sort of breadth that you have across all the major sports here in, in New York, you know? I mean, you could probably even talk Rutgers football. I don't know. Are you? By the way, it's interesting. They played the Ohio State this past weekend. Yeah. If you go back last year at Ohio State, I think the the, uh, the Buckeyes were up 42 zip or something, and they ran a fake punt in the fourth quarter. 
against Rutgers, which was just like, really? And the kid, the punter, got absolutely blown up on the sideline and they threw a flag. But that's not cool. Now, Greg Schiano, who's the head coach of Rutgers, later went on to say, you know what? The kid's taught if certain things line up, you make that move. So it was on him. Good for him. Good job. But you know what? If you're a, if you're a college kid and you know you're up four or five scores, yeah. you, you don't do that shit. All right, I, I got a question for you. Maybe our viewers can weigh in, and I promise you, we're going to be out in, in in one minute, okay? But this is something that's been on my mind. I woke up in the middle of the night thinking mm. about this. I totally forgot. Sarah and I are going to see Alex down in D.C. for sure. just, just on Friday. You know, we're going to go see her. We haven't seen her in a few weeks. You know, it's our oldest daughter. We miss her. We saw our, our other daughter, you know, at school last weekend. So I agree to do this. We're going to dinner and then, you know, Saturday we're going to get up, maybe, you know, walk campus and, 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 and get out of there and get back to the city. I forgot that I have an invite to Michigan at Penn State. Okay. My buddy is taking his RV there. His kid's there. I got I to gotta get from D.C. Saturday morning to a 12 o'clock kickoff. Don't I have to do this, guy? Well, I will tell you, Michigan has not played a top 15 team, I don't think, yet this year. Yet Michigan's obviously, I think, ranked two or three in the country, depending on the poll you're looking at. Penn State, obviously a good team. Um, at Penn State, not an easy place to play. Nope. The good news for Michigan is it's an early game. That's the good news, because if this game is sort of like one of these 8 o'clock starts on a Saturday night, that place gets crazy. Bad news is I don't think Michigan's been tested, and I think they have a giant bullseye on their back given a lot of the shit that's gone yeah. down with that you know play-stealing scandal that they're seemingly embroiled in now. So I think Penn State's, a, as we used to say, a live dog uh, in this game. So that's All a right. game that you might want to be at for sure. Should I, I, I got to get up at the crack of dawn to make a 9 o'clock tailgate, don't I? Isn't that something Make I a have? 9 a.m. tailgate? That's like three and a half hours from DC. You're not going to believe this, I know, and it, but it will come as little or no surprise to you. Yeah. I've never gone to a. Ta- I don't go to tailgates. Well, I, I'm like I'm Mr. Tailgate. I I enjoy a good tailgate. I, I just don't understand. I, but, I just don't get it. I, I I think I'm. I mean, you didn't answer my question. We'll talk offline. Should you get I'm, up and go? Yeah, I mean, I you should definitely up. go to that game. Okay. All but right. You got to get the state call. I mean, you got to get, I mean, that's Three in the middle of nowhere. I leave at 6 a.m. from D.C. I'm going to get there at 930. Is that what, that's what it says on the, on the yeah. GPS? Yeah. All right. All right. Well, maybe maybe we can stop boring our people and we can have this kind. Hey, like tweet at us or X at us or or Instagram. Oh, by the way, guy dot Adami on Instagram. I don't know if you guys saw it. I put he it on blo- the Twitter yesterday. I'm on the gram. Follow he, my ass. He's blowing up. Okay. You got it. Oh, there's our boy Zuck in the middle. Just he's a big supporter of what we're doing here at Risk Versal Media. So we have three handles: Dan S. Nathan, Risk Versal Media, and Guy dot Adami. So follow us on the Instagram. We're going to be putting out content every day. On the gram. On the gram. All right. I can't believe I just said that. Take us out. Um, enjoy the Ranger game tonight. As I said, yeah. original six matchup. If you can't be there, watch it. It's going to be fun. Uh, baseball offseason, we're getting in earnest. I think we hear from Cashman at 3 o'clock today. It's be interesting to see what he has to say. I think Juan Soto is all but a Yankee. Um, again, I know you Padre fans could care less. But that's it, or could not care less. Is that right? Or could care less? Something yeah. like that. Couldn't give uh, a crap. But we'll be back tomorrow. Now, tomorrow's Wednesday. Wednesdays are Sunday at Carvel. They're also Carter Worth Day. So we'll see you later. Thanks.